Section 3 of The Old Peabody Pew, A Christmas Romance of a Country Church by Kate Douglas Wiggin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 It was Saturday afternoon, the 24th of December, and the weary sisters of the Dorcas band rose from their bruised knees and removed their little stores of carpet tacks from their mouths. This was a feminine custom of long standing and as no village dressmaker had ever died of pins in the digestive organs so were no symptoms of carpet tacks ever discovered in any dorcas living or dead men wondered at the habit and reviled it but stood confounded in the presence of its indisputable harmlessness the red ingrain carpet was indeed very warm beautiful and comforting to the eye and the sisters were suitably grateful to providence and devoutly thankful to themselves that they had been enabled to buy sew and lay so many yards of it but as they stood looking at their completed task it was cruelly true that there was much left to do the aisles had been painted dark brown on each side of the red stripes leading from the doors to the pulpit but the rest of the church floor was a thing of shreds and patches each member of the carpet committee had paid as a matter of pride however ill she could afford it three dollars and sixty-seven cents for sufficient carpet to lay in her own pew but these brilliant spots of conscientious effort only made the stretches of bare unpainted floor more evident and that was not all traces of former spasmodic and individual efforts desecrated the present ideals the doctor's pew had a pink and blue brussels on it the lawyers striped stair carpeting the browns from deer wanderers sported straw matting and were not abashed while the greens the whites the blacks and the greys displayed floor coverings as dissimilar as their names i never noticed it before exclaimed maria sharp but it ain't christian that floor it's heathenish and ungodly for mercy's sake don't swear maria said mrs miller nervously we've done our best and let's hope that folks will look up and not down it isn't as though they were going to set in a chandelier they'll have something else to think about when nancy gets her hemlock branches and white carnations in the pulpit vases this morning my abner picked off two pinks from the plant i've been nursing in my dining room for weeks trying to make it bloom for christmas i slapped his hands good and it's been haunting me ever since to think i had to correct him the day before christmas come lobelia we must be hurrying one thing comforts me exclaimed the widow bozell as she took her hammer and tacks preparatory to leaving and that is the methodist meat in the house ain't got any carpet at all mrs bozell interrupted the minister's wife with a smile that took the sting from her speech it will be like punishing little abner miller if we think those thoughts on christmas eve we shall surely be haunted afterward in any way interjected maria sharp who always saved the situation you just wait and see if the methodists don't say they'd rather have no carpet at all than have one that don't go all over the floor i know em and she put on her hood and blanket shawl as she gave one last fond look at the improvements i'm going home to get my supper and come back afterward to lay the carpet in my pew my beans and brown bread will be just right by now and perhaps it will rest me a little besides i must feed zekiel as Nancy Wentworth spoke, she sat in the corner of her own modest rear seat, looking a little pale and tired. Her waving dark hair had loosened and fallen over her cheeks, and her eyes gleamed from under it wistfully. Nowadays, Nancy's eyes never had the sparkle of gazing into the future, 
but always the liquid softness that comes from looking backward the church will be real cold by then nancy objected mrs burbank good night mrs baxter oh no i shall be back by half-past six and i shall not work long do you know what i believe i'll do mrs burbank just through the holidays christmas and new year's both coming on sunday this year there'll be a great many out to church not counting the strangers that'll come to the special service to-morrow instead of putting down my own pew carpet that'll never be noticed here in the back i'll lay it in the old peabody pew for the red aisle strip leads straight up to it the ministers always go up that side and it does look forlorn that's so and all the more because my pew that's exactly opposite in the left wing is new carpeted and cushioned replied the president i think that's real generous of you nancy because the riverboro folks knowing that you're a member of the carpet committee will be sure to notice and think it's queer you haven't made an effort to carpet your own pew never mind smiled nancy wearily riverboro folks never go to bed on saturday night without wondering what edgewood is thinking about them the minister's wife stood at her window watching nancy as she passed the parsonage how wasted how wasted she sighed going home to eat her lonely supper and feed zekiel i can bear it for the others but not for nancy now she has lighted her lamp now she has put fresh pine on the fire for new smoke comes from the chimney why should i sit down and serve my dear husband and nancy feed zekiel there was some truth in mrs baxter's feeling mrs buzzell for instance had three sons maria sharp was absorbed in her lame father and her sunday school work and lobelia brewster would not have considered matrimony a blessing even under the most favorable conditions but nancy was framed and planned for other things and zekiel was an insufficient channel for her soft womanly sympathy in her bright activity of mind and body zekiel had lost his tail in a mowing machine zekiel had the asthma and the immersion of his nose and milk made him sneeze so he was wont to slip his paw in and out of the dish and lick it patiently for five minutes together nancy often watched him pityingly giving him kind and gentle words to sustain his fainting spirit but to-night she paid no heed to them although he sneezed violently to attract her attention she had put her supper on the lighted table by the kitchen window and was pouring out her cup of tea when a boy rapped at the door here's a paper and a letter miss wentworth he said it's the second this week may they think over the store that the berwick widower must be setting up and taking notice she had indeed received a letter the day before an unsigned communication consisting only of the words second epistle of john verse twelve she had taken her bible to look out the reference and found it to be having many things to write unto you i would not write with paper and ink but i trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full the envelope was postmarked new york and she smiled thinking that mrs emerson a charming lady who had spent the summer in edgewood and had sung with her in the village choir was coming back as she had promised to have a sleigh ride and see edgewood in its winter dress nancy had almost forgotten the first letter in the excitements of her busy day and now here was another from boston this time she opened the envelope and found again only a single sentence printed not written lest she should guess the hand she wondered second epistle of john verse five and now i beseech thee lady not as though i wrote a new commandment unto thee but that which we had from the beginning that we love one another was it mrs emerson could it be any one else was it 
no it might have been years ago but not now not now and yet he was always so different from other people and once in church he had handed her the hymn-book with his finger pointing to a certain verse she had always fancied that her secret fidelity of heart rose from the fact that justin peabody was different from the hour of their first acquaintance she was ever comparing him with his companions and always to his advantage so long as a woman finds all men very much alike as lobelia brewster did save that she allowed some to be worse she is in no danger but the moment in which she perceives and discriminates subtle differences marvelling that there can be two opinions about a man's superiority that moment the miracle has happened and now i beseech thee lady not as though i wrote a new commandment unto thee but that which we had from the beginning that we love one another no it could not be from justin she drank her tea played with her beans abstractedly and nibbled her slice of steaming brown bread not as though i wrote a new commandment unto thee no not a new one twelve fifteen years ago that commandment that we love one another who was speaking who had written these words the first letter sounded just like mrs emerson who had said she was a very poor correspondent but that she could just drop down on nancy one of these days but the second letter never came from mrs emerson well there would be an explanation sometime a pleasant one one to smile over and tell zekiel and repeat to the neighbors but not an unexpected sacred beautiful explanation such a one as the heart of a woman could imagine if she were young enough and happy enough to hope she washed her cup and plate replaced the uneaten beans in the brown pot and put them away with a round loaf folded the cloth lobelia brewster said nancy always set out her meals as she was entertaining company from portland closed the stove dampers carried the lighted lamp to a safe corner shelf and lifted zekiel to his cushion on the high back rocker doing all with a nice precision of long habit then she wrapped herself warmly and locking the lonely little house behind her set out to finish her work in the church chapter five at this precise moment justin peabody was eating his own beans and brown bread articles of diet of which his detroit landlady was lamentably ignorant at the new tavern not far from the meeting-house it would not be fair to him to say that mrs burbank's letter had brought him back to edgewood but it had certainly accelerated his steps for the first six years after justin peabody left home he had drifted about from place to place saving every possible dollar of his uncertain earnings in the conscious hope that he could go back to new england and ask nancy wentworth to marry him the west was prosperous and progressive but how he yearned in idle moments for the grimmer and more sterile soil that had given him birth then came what seemed to him a brilliant chance for a lucky turn of his savings and invested them in an enterprise which wonderfully as it promised failed within six months and left him penniless at that moment he definitely gave up all hope and for the next few years he put nancy as far as possible out of his mind in the full belief that he was acting an honorable part in refusing to drag her into his tangled and fruitless way of life if she ever did care for him and he could not be sure she was always so shy she must have outgrown the feeling long since and be living happily or at least contentedly in her own way he was glad in spite of himself when he heard that she had never married but at least he hadn't it on his conscience that he had kept her single on the seventeenth of december justin his business day over 
was walking toward the dreary house in which he ate and slept as he turned the corner he heard one woman say to another as they watched a man stumbling sorrowfully down the street going home will be the worst of all for him to find nobody there that was what going home meant for him these ten years but he afterward felt it strange that this thought should have struck him so forcibly on that particular day entering the boarding-house he found mrs burbank's letter with its edgewood postmark on the hall table and took it up to his room he kindled a little fire on the air-tight stove watching the flame creep from shavings to kindlings from kindlings to small pine and from small pine to the round hardwood sticks then when the result seemed certain he closed the stove door and sat down to read the letter whereupon all manner of strange things happened in his head and heart and flesh and spirit as he sat there alone his hands in his pockets his feet braced against the legs of the stove it was a cold winter night and the snow and sleet beat against the windows he looked about the ugly room at the washstand with its square of oilcloth in front and its detestable bowl and pitcher at the rigors of his white iron bedstead with the valley in the middle of the lumpy mattress and the darns in the rumpled pillowcases at the dull photographs of the landlady's hideous husband and children enshrined on the mantel-shelf looked at the abomination of desolation surrounding him till his soul sickened and cried out like a child's for something more like home it was as if a spring thaw had melted his ice-bound heart and on the crest of a wave it was drifting out into the milder waters of some unknown sea he could have laid his head in the kind lap of a woman and cried comfort me give me companionship or i die the wind howled in the chimney and rattled the loose window sashes the snow freezing as it fell dashed against the glass with hard cutting little blows at least that is the way in which the wind and snow flattered themselves they were making existence disagreeable to justin peabody when he read his letter but never were elements more mistaken it was a june sunday in the boarding-house bedroom and for that matter it was not the boarding-house bedroom at all it was the old orthodox church on tory hill in edgewood the windows were wide open and the smell of the purple clover and the humming of the bees were drifting into the sweet wide spaces within justin was sitting in the end of the peabody pew and nancy wentworth was beside him nancy cool and restful in her white dress dark-haired nancy under the shadow of her shirred muslin hat rise my soul and stretch thy wings thy better portion trace the melodeon gave the tune and nancy and he stood to sing taking the book between them his hand touched hers and as the music of the hymn rose and fell the future unrolled itself before his eyes a future in which nancy was his wedded wife and the happy years stretched on and on in front of them until there was a row of little heads in the old peabody pew and mother and father could look proudly along the line at the young things they were bringing into the house of the lord the recalling of that vision worked like magic in justin's blood his soul rose and stretched its wings and traced its better portion vividly as he sprang to his feet and walked up and down the bedroom floor he would get a few days leave and go back to edgewood for christmas to join with all the old neighbors in the service at the meeting-house and in pursuance of this resolve he shook his fist in the face of the landlady's husband on the mantelpiece and dared him to prevent he had a salary of fifty dollars a month with some very slight prospect of an increase after january 
he did not see how two persons could eat and drink and lodge and dress on it in detroit but he proposed to give nancy wentworth the refusal of that magnificent future that brilliant and tempting offer he had exactly one hundred dollars in the bank and sixty or seventy of them would be spent in the journeys counting two happy blessed fares back from edgewood to detroit and if he paid only his own fare back he would throw the price of the other into the pond behind the wentworth house he would drop another ten dollars into plate on christmas day toward the repair of the church if he starved he would do that he was a failure everything his hand touched turned to naught he looked himself full in the face recognizing his weakness and in the supremest moment of recognition he was a stronger man than he had been an hour before his drooping shoulders had straightened the restless look had gone from his eyes his sombre face had something of repose in it the repose of a settled purpose he was a failure but perhaps if he took the risks and if nancy would take them but that was the trouble women were so unselfish they were always willing to take risks and one ought not to let them perhaps he might do better in trying to make a living for two than he had in working for himself alone he would go home tell nancy that he was an unlucky good-for-naught and ask her if she would try her hand at making him over End of section three.